there, and welcome to Blood, Sweat, and Smears, a podcast produced by Magion Diagnostics. In this podcast series, we will be discussing thrombosis and hemostasis from the perspective of our host, benign hematologist and medical director of Magion Diagnostics, Dr. Brad Lewis. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. With that, I'll turn it over to Dr. Lewis. Brad, take it away. I want to talk today a little bit about lab testing in patients who are taking Heme Libra or emesizumab. Just to take a step back, there's a bigger issue here that is probably worth mentioning. We tend to think of lab testing as something that's clear-cut and finite and directly connected to a physiologic phenomena. Now, when you get a sodium level, it tells you how much sodium there is in somebody's blood. When you get coag testing, it may or may not be directly correlated with with the coagulation status of somebody's blood. Now, coagulation testing itself actually measures blood clotting in an artificial environment. In the case of some uh, tests like the PT and the PTT that we're going to talk about today, it actually measures blood clotting in a glass test tube, something that's obviously not at all physiologic. Sometimes these lab tests correlate with phenomena in the blood and sometimes they don't. Clearly, an abnormal PTT, for example, does not mean a patient's going to bleed necessarily. You need to know why that PTT is abnormal. Now, there's actually a bigger talk to to come probably down the road a little bit where I talk about uh, some of the new coagulation tests that are coming down the pike and the role they may play in some of the novel uh, hemostatic agents that are also beginning to come down the pike. Um, because some of these agents behave differently than than physiologic protein equivalents, they sometimes don't give us uh, reliable results on our old standard tests. Now, Heme Libra is an archetype of these, and since the questions have come up a number of times, I just wanted to talk about it briefly. First question, I suppose, is what is Heme Libra? If you're listening to this, you probably already know, but Heme Libra, or emicizumab, is a novel way to approach uh, hemostasis or clotting in patients with factor eight deficiency or hemophilia A. Uh, these patients are lacking factor eight, one of the factors in the coagulation cascade, and uh, Hemlibra replaces it with a monoclonal antibody, which is able, which has two arms, each of which binds to a different substrate. So one binds, binds to factor nine, one binds to factor ten, and it does the same thing, in essence, that factor eight would by binding to these two and then pulling them into closer uh, contact and and generates uh, coagulation and activation of the factor uh, 10 in that way. Um, this is a, an exciting new drug in a lot of ways. One is that there are patients with hemophilia who develop antibodies against factor eight concentrates that we give them. And they do that because they obviously don't have factor eight themselves. Um, so for them, this is a foreign protein. But when that happens, the factor eight concentrates, the factor eight that we try to give them can become ineffective because these antibodies can overwhelm that factor and inactivate or destroy it. Um, those patients are traditionally very difficult to treat, have a lot of trouble with bleeding, and now with Hemlibra, we're able to make thrombosis happen, make hemostasis happen in these guys in a, in a way that the antibodies don't affect. Since this the antibody emicizumab or Hemlibra is not in any way uh, homologous to factor eight, so the 
antibodies that the patient has made against factor VIII no longer affect this substitute for factor VIII. So it's effective in patients with hemophilia with inhibitors, and it's also effective in patients with hemophilia, and it's given subcutaneously, and it lasts for a long period of of time, allowing for much less frequent dosing. So this is a drug that you are probably going to be seeing more and more within the hemophilia world. Now, who should care about Hemlibra and its impact on coagulation testing? Everybody who comes in contact with hemophilia patients, and that's both geographically determined to some extent. Hemophilia patients tend to concentrate traditionally in areas that have hemophilia centers, hemophilia treatment centers, uh, which are able to provide top quality care. Um, on the other hand, hemophilia patients, like everybody else, travel. And even though you live somewhere where there is not a single hemophilia patient within 100 miles, you may find one driving through town who then requires therapy. So it probably behooves everybody who deals with uh, patients who might be bleeding or have been traumatized to understand the, the limitations of testing in heme libra. This includes patients who are hematologists, patients obviously who run hemophilia centers, but also primary care doctors, emergency room doctors, docs who might be involved in pre-op testing, where a patient could come in and require and be given some testing in the process of getting him ready for, for surgery, now, perhaps without consultation with his uh, regular hematologist. Similarly, surgeons, hospitalists, and, and gynecologists will oftentimes fi- times find themselves ordering testing for a patient um, with with a bleeding disorder like this without having easy access to the hematologist himself. Um, this, there are a number of situations where one might find it important to measure uh, factor eight levels or other testing in, in patients uh, who are on Hemlibra. Most of the time, they will not require testing. Hemlibra does not require dose adjustments based on testing. In fact, we wouldn't know how to do that if we wanted to at this point in time. That's another podcast. Um, at this point, you wouldn't need to test someone who was on Hemlibra unless they came in with something odd going on and you wanted to give them factor eight. So, for example, if someone was on Hemlibra, came to your emergency room with a bleed into his thigh muscle. You have no way of, uh, at this point in time, of assessing the efficacy of heme libra, and you would simply try to move beyond heme libra and might conceivably treat this patient with factor VIII concentrate if they did not have an active inhibitor. Um, but you would need to adjust the dose of that factor VIII concentrate, and to do that, you would need a factor VIII activity. That's something you can't reliably get in, in the usual way on, on heme libra because heme libra dramatically affects the PTT and every assay we do that's based on the PTT. And that's the theme for the rest of what I'm going to be talking about. Another scenario where that might happen would be a patient who has a known factor VIII inhibitor. You're giving a medication to try to destroy that inhibitor and allow him to be treated with factor VIII. Part of that treatment, what's called immune tolerance, is giving factor VIII. And one measure of whether or not you're having any success would be a rise in the survival of the factor VIII in patients who previously had an inhibitor. Again, that requires measuring factor VIII uh, concentrations, which are PTT-based and are not reliable on emicizumab. Or you might choose to measure the factor VIII inhibitor itself, measure the activity of that antibody that binds to and destroys the factor VIII, the so-called Bethesda uh, assay. Or you could get a, a 
factor eight inhibitor screen, but both of those tests are going to be affected by emicizumab. So you'd be unable to assess the efficacy of your attempts to, to inactivate the inhibitor in this patient while they were taking the emicizumab, which they're taking in an effort to control bleeding while you're trying to get rid of this inhibitor. Um, so what are the tests that are affected? Like I said, everything based on a PTT, but for our purposes here, that's primarily the factor eight activity itself and also the uh, factor eight inhibitor titer, either as a screen or as uh, a Bethesda titer. Just as an aside, it's unlikely this would come up, I think, but um, in some cases, the activated protein C activity um, is is also measured using a PTT-based assay. The other, just as an aside, the ACT, the activated clotting test, is also affected by emicizumab, something you're probably not going to be doing unless you had a patient who has hemophilia, is on emicizumab, and then needs to have cardiac uh, surgery, in which case the ACT might be the traditional test to use to monitor their, their heparin. So what do you do about this? The answer is, Every patient who's taking Hemlibra should be carrying a card, perhaps even a, a bracelet, that says that they're on emicizumab or Hemlibra, and PTT-based assays will not work. That's probably all you need to say to them. If you uh, then talk to your lab, you'll find that there are workarounds, so that, for example, you can measure a factor eight assay using bovine factor eight, which is... Uh, not affected by emicizumab, and using a chromogenic assay rather than a PTT assay. A chromogenic assay is an assay where, as factor 10 is produced, um, is is measured using the ability of that fact of that activated factor 10 to change the color of an underlying substrate rather than to induce clotting, which which avoids the problems that emicizumab causes by inducing clotting so easily in, in plasmas. Similarly, you, you could get a Bethesda titer or a, a, a factor eight inhibitor screen if you wanted. You can do that, but you would need to do that again using a bovine factor eight and ultimately a chromogenic screen. But these tests can be done. You simply need to notify the lab you know, uh, that, you, that you need testing specific for patients who are taking emicizumab. What about the other issues that may come up? Down the road in patients on emicizumab, I suspect we may want to be uh, looking for ways to assess the efficacy of the emicizumab itself. So for example, if a patient comes into, if a patient with hemophilia were to come into the emergency room with a bleed into his knee while on emicizumab, the question would be, is that bleed due to the mechanics of his knee or to the pathology of his knee itself? Or is this really a failure of emicizumab? And if it is, does the dosing of emicizumab need to be changed? Is this patient in some way that isn't known yet resistant to emicizumab? Um, to assess that, you need a test of the emicizumab itself. That's very different than what we've been talking about up to now. And as of today, we don't have a good assay that measures that. Although the candidate assays would be uh, probably a thrombin generation time and perhaps thromboelastography, both assays that at least conceptually could measure the efficacy of emicizumab in a, in a way that isn't interfered with by the assay itself, I mean by the uh, medication itself, and would be a meaningful measure of, of the ability of that patient's body to attain hemostasis. Um, 
keep that in the back of your mind and probably not too far down the road, we'll be talking about some of these uh, newer assays and the role they can play in measuring coagulation in liver disease uh, as well as in patients on emicizumab and with some of the other newer agents for treating now, the hemophilia is the pegylated factors, both 8 and 9, for example, can cause some problems with traditional uh, PTTs and traditional factor assays, generating some problems in uh, dosing or monitoring the dosing. But we'll get back to that at a later date. Thank you and talk to you soon. That's it for us here at Blood, Sweat, and Smears, a podcast produced by Michian Diagnostics your reference lab and CRO specializing in thrombosis, hemostasis, and rare disease. Thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to discuss, please send an email to blood, sweat, and smears at mechiondiagnostics.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at mechiondx. Be sure to subscribe, share, and join us next time for more coagulation information.